0: Hey everyone and welcome to Broadcast His Love. This is Ricky Stewart just jumping on ahead of this interview to give you guys a heads up. This is not an interview for little ears. Um, This is more of an interview for adults. So we're talking about forgiveness and you're going to learn a lot about how to forgive for my dear friend. Allie Mills Duro, and she is in Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, and they just got slammed with a hurricane. Hurricane Sally as well as we did over here in Pensacola Florida as well so after the interview you're gonna hear her update we did this interview before Hurricane Sally so stay tuned for after the conversation with Allie so stay tuned for her update on how she and her family are doing as well as the Orange Beach Gulf Shores area thank you for listening let's dive in and learn about forgiveness with Allie And welcome to broadcast His love. This is a podcast where we talk about what life looks like when we decrease our name and increase God's name, because we cannot do life and life to the fullest without Jesus. John three thirty says He must become greater, and I must become less. And I have a sister on today, Allie Mills Duro. She loves this. She knows this, and she is this. On her Facebook profile, it says Jesus, people, chocolate. Auburn. So, y'all are going to love her.
1: (laughs) Hey, Allie.
0: Hey, Ricky. How are you? I'm good. And I'm so thrilled to have you on today to talk about forgiveness. Now, you are awesome. You're one of those people that everybody loves and adores. I mean, Jesus, people, chocolate, Auburn. Like, we already (laughs) love you. And you're the (laughs) communications and marketing specialist at the Gulf Shores and Orange Beach Sports Commission which, what a cool job.
1: I love what I do. Um, Yes, so I work for the Sports Commission and also on the tourism side, I do um, work for meetings and international markets. And so just love to be able to um, share all about Alabama's 32 miles of white sand beaches uh, with sports planners and attendees and also meeting planners. And those families who are coming here um, for those sporting events and those meetings, they turn into leisure visitors too. And so it's a really cool opportunity to be able to share this slice of paradise that we have down on the Alabama Gulf Coast with, you know, groups from all over the country. So it's it's a fun job. I love what I do. I'm blessed to be in the position that I'm in. And I'm just excited to be able to to share that with others.
0: Yes, and you work with a dear friend, Kay, who I haven't talked to in a long time. We've talked to on email, but she is so sweet. I mean, your team there is awesome. Like, talk about the dynamic and the work dynamic that you get to work in because a lot of people don't get to work on the beach. I mean, you guys aren't literally (laughs) in the sand, but you're creating a fun environment in a place that's already awesome, you know? So tell us about that.
1: Yeah, it's a super fun dynamic and it's great. I used to report directly to Kay as the public relations coordinator. A couple years ago, um, around this time in 2018, um, I was promoted and moved into a new role within the sales and sports department. So I'm actually a communications role within the sales and sports department, and I'm I'm kind of a liaison to the communications team. So we're in, you know, our our organization is incredible, and we've been able to grow to a point where we're actually in three separate buildings. So when I'm actually working in the office right now, I'm working from home just during the state of what we're in right now, but working from home full-time, but get to work with Kay so much still and really enjoy Um, getting her feedback and running things by her and vice versa with me and being able to kind of work in tandem to you know send that leisure message across all of our message message streams whether that be sports meetings international and we we all obviously work really well together um, love each other she's she's a great friend and just a great great team dynamic I mean we really do love each other it's really a big extended family and you know when we're when we're working in the office I'm with my coworkers more than I am my own family right Right. you know it's uh it's just a big big happy family now we're just all you know communicating remotely so it's 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 been it's been fun that's cool that's cool and I, I just love your
0: outlook on your job and your work and When I've gotten to work with you, you are always a joy to talk with and like, I always want to know what's going on with what you're doing because the Gulf Shores, Orange Beach Tourism Department and like the Sports Commission, it's all just, there's always something going on and there's always something happening in Orange Beach, Gulf Shores. So I'm sure you're really busy right now. So I just really appreciate your time talking with us. And We are going to talk about forgiveness and how this all came about with you and I talking about getting on the podcast and wanting to shine God's light through the space, through the story of forgiveness is that on Facebook, you posted, um, on your birthday, that a story about your mom, um, passing away with your unborn brother's murders. And it's really hard to say that because. I can't fathom it. I don't understand why something like this would happen. Um my heart gets really hard when I read a story like what you posted on Facebook and then I read that you've written an article about it and how you are able to be joyful. I'm speechless. I don't know how you did that. I know God is the answer, um but the process of that I'm sure had to be challenging. So Allie, if you don't mind, sharing with us this story that you posted on Facebook, and just how you came to forgiveness.
1: Sure. Yeah. And you, you really said it right there. Um, You know, forgiveness is such a process. And um, what happened to my family happened in 1997. So it's been 22 years, since actually 23 years, sorry, um, since that happened. And it's, it's definitely been a process. It's the It's a choice to forgive, and it's something that that I really, really encourage as as you hear my story and hear my heart, um, really encourage any listeners out there to work towards forgiveness because it is a barrier to our relationship with Jesus, and it's so important to break down those walls. We can't control what other people do, but we certainly can control how we behave Mm. and how we move forward. Wow. So to share share a little bit about my family story. It was August 20th, my birthday, my seventh birthday, 1997. A man, actually my boy, <laughs> almost 17 year old Ronaldo, oh. Adams, he broke into our house. It was late in the night, um, middle, kind of middle of the morning, wee hours in the morning. My dad had fallen asleep on the couch, uh, coming in late from work meetings. And a guy dressed head to toe in black, with a ski mask on, threatened my dad with a knife and told him to give him everything that he had. And so my dad did. He gave him every every ounce of money that he had on him, everything that he could find. And somewhere in the middle of that, my mom woke up. She was four months pregnant with what would be um, my brother, who now would be, you know, 22 years old. And, uh, that's hard, hard to believe and hard to, that, that one's kind of hard to soak in, but she begged, um, she begged him to stop. Of course he wouldn't. And he told my dad that if my dad did not leave and get him more money, then he would kill my entire family. Mm. So my dad reluctantly left and we, in 1997, not very many people had cell phones. So he didn't have a cell phone. He went up to the um, when Dixie right up the road um, got as much money out of an ATM as he could, he got the clerks to call nine one one. And by the time he got back, and it was literally one minute from our house, um, the man was raping my mom. Oh my gosh. And my dad begged him, begged him, and pleaded with him to stop. Um, told him that she was pregnant. Please stop! Don't hurt my family. And he forced him to leave again. So during that second time that my dad was forced to leave. I woke up during that time. My sister and I shared a room. She was three at the time. I just turned seven. My brother was in another room. He was not even two yet. He actually just turned, my brother just turned 25 yesterday. So that's an end of perspective. But I remember knowing something was wrong. I felt on my chest, something's wrong. I'm scared. I don't know if what woke me up was a door slamming or if it was my mom yelling out for help, but I grabbed my sister's hand. We walked down the hall. It was dark, um, opened the door to my parents' room, which was kind of ajar, and it was dark. So I did not see details, thankfully, but my mom was gasping for air. There was blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I kind of pushed my sister aside. Um, to, I guess it was motherly instinct kicking in kind um, I pushed, pushed her away so that she didn't see it. And she does not remember, does not remember it. But around that time, the police and the um, ambulance came to the door. They took my mom to the hospital, but could not resuscitate her. She had lost too much blood. She had been stabbed, I believe, nine times. And her, all of her internal organs basically were completely obliterated. And it, of course, as a seven year old hearing that your mom is with Jesus, it really didn't sink in. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that my mom wasn't coming back. Um, So from, from that point on, she was gone. I didn't have my mom in my life as I knew it. And so, um of course, being the oldest of three, that was hard for me, and now, looking back, my siblings don't really even remember a time having a mom. My sister has very vague memories of like coloring with my mom and things like that. Um I don't even remember her voice anymore, so that's hard for me as a parent. I now have a four year old and a three year old It's hard for me not to remember my mom's voice and think Mm -hmm. about how my kids aren't much younger than I was when, when my mom left this earth. And so after that, moving forward, they did catch the guy who killed my mom, Ronaldo Adams. He was literally caught red handed. Um, the murder weapon was found in the bushes. He was originally sentenced to the death penalty and That, of course, it was all over the news. It's still actually considered the most heinous murder in Montgomery history. And sometimes around the anniversary time, that old footage will come back up. Um, I remember being rushed out of the room as a seven-year-old when it was, you know, on the news all over the state of Alabama. In some sense, it actually made national news. Um, And so it just was really difficult to you know, as a seven-year-old understand, like, I'm about to start school, I was about to start second grade, and people knew what was going on. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was just hard to kind of grapple with, not to mention my dad, um, being in his early 30s, and taking on the responsibility, and I just turned 30. So it really puts it into perspective. And then taking on the responsibility of raising a seven-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh, my I goodness! not um, fathom that really. And it really puts it in. I mean, my, my husband told me recently that he, he's almost at that age. He's 32. I believe my dad was 33. My mom was 34. And oh, wow. so it's, it, it really puts it into perspective that, you know, that could be anyone. We were the all American family. We were, you know, just a normal, normal family. And it, it happened to us. So it, after that, definitely a process. Um, I did not know Jesus at the time I was seven and we weren't regular churchgoers at the time. We struggled with finding a church after that, um, just in search of you know, a ministry, you know, it ended up being excuses eventually, but a ministry that was great for single adults and a church that also had um, a children's, a great children's ministry and eventually a youth program and a children's ministry. And it just kind of became an excuse to not go. Um, And I know for my dad, he harbored a lot of anger and frustration towards God. He was saved and my mom was saved and they had, at least at one point, a relationship with Christ, but it's hard to not harbor those feelings of anger when something like that is taken from you and something unfathomable happens. But I never, of course, I had Christian influences in my life, and my dad prayed with us, and he, you know, he was certainly a rock and was always on our side and always helped us to, to strive for something better. For ourselves, but didn't really have that um, church life balance in my life. And so then fast forward a little bit to 2005, I was 15. And I stumbled upon an article online, my dad, my dad really tried to keep us away from, uh, you know, just what was going on and the hurt of that. And so I found out on the news that for the first time that my mom, my mom was raped. I did not know that. And so <laughs> as a 15 year old, that was really hard to understand and really hard to take in because I was, you know, becoming a young woman and right. it just, that that was kind of hard to soak in. That was also during the time that in 2005, it was deemed unconstitutional nationwide For anyone who was on death row who was a minor when they committed a crime like this. And so our case, um, Adams' sentence, was eventually um, reversed. He did not have the death penalty sentence anymore after that. And he is currently in prison with life without parole. And so one of our case was one of the deciding factors nationally because it was uh, the heinous nature of it. It actually only affected 70 something cases nationwide and I believe 19 in the state of Alabama. So it was not like it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases. It was pretty Mm -hmm. Selective, and so it it was brought back into the national media. in that that was um, going into 2006. There was a Supreme. Court, it was an election year for some state offices, and um, Supreme Court Justice um, Ad came on while we were visiting an aunt and uncle, and there was a newspaper clipping in the TV ad from my from my family's case. And so just being brought back into the media, and being a teenager, and not understanding that, but. My, it was Jesus, my saving grace that year, uh, transferred high schools to the Arts Magnet High School in Montgomery. And some girlfriends of mine that have been friends of mine since middle school invited me to a thing called Young Life. And okay. for those of you listening who are not aware of Young Life, it's a non-denominational Christian organization. And I asked them, you know, what is Young Life? What are we doing? And they said, you know, we can't really explain it to you. You just have to come and experience it. So reluctantly almost, but I wanted to get out of the house. I went and it was at my now husband's house. Stop. Yeah, (laughs) my now husband's house, my in-law's house now, and um, I just, that's really when I started down a path of a relationship with Jesus. I really started to understand that what had happened in my life was, uh, it really did happen for a reason, and that no, God does not love that filth. God does not love what happened, but that he would use our story to impact the kingdom. And so I really started to understand that and look at things in a different perspective. And moving forward was very involving in life all through high school. Um, After it was the summer after my junior year of high school, I went to a young life camp in North Carolina called Windy Gap. And Jesus met me on a hill um, at Whitney Gap under the stars late one night after we kind of heard that salvation message. And that's really where I gave my life to Christ. That was really? in the su- summer of 2007. And so I just knew that. That the Lord was going to continue to use what it had happened to us, and um, for my sister Hannah, for my brother Andrew, and for my dad, in different ways to be able to touch other people's lives. And so, I wanted to carry on that legacy of love and forgiveness. And at this point, I had not forgiven. I still had that wall built up, and I knew that it was holding me back. I knew that I wasn't at that place where I could forgive yet. But I knew that I needed to get to that place. Yes, and so. Um, it was a uh, senior year of high school, still very involved in young life, went to college at Auburn, still really involved in young life. Actually, I led young Life all through college and beyond, um, after college actually worked at a couple of camps, was a team leader in college and even considered going into ministry full time. But that was my outlook of what, Oh, I'm going to go into ministry full time. Like, that's just what I want to do. That wasn't where God had me. And okay. so I just had to lean in and listen. But freshman year of college, I just made the decision that I've got I've got to forgive. It's not for Ronaldo Adams. It's not for him. It's for me in my relationship with Jesus to be able to move forward. And when reconciliation is not possible, that doesn't mean that you can't forgive. That doesn't mean that you can't choose to forgive. Again, it's a process. It took me um, I guess I was 18. So it took me 11 years to get to the point where I could forgive, but I did. And it was a physical weight off of my shoulders. It was a physical weight. I felt the Lord's hands on me. I really and truly did feel the Lord's hands on me. I felt him embrace me. And I knew that, um, that that was the moment that I could really and truly start sharing my story and, um, affect the kingdom of God in that way through Jesus only. And wow. so that, that really affected the trajectory of the rest of my college career into marriage. And, um, you know, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I let myself slip into bitterness. Sometimes it, it's been quite the journey in the last re- in recent years, because in 2014, it was deemed unconstitutional for minors same thing back to um, back to when the death penalty was reversed. Okay, it was deemed unconstitutional for minors to be automatically given life without parole, and so all of these cases have to be resentenced. Stop. So, yeah. So since two thousand fourteen, we've been waiting for our case to be resentenced, and so it, it's been really difficult um, because we do not feel and neither does the Montgomery County DA feel that our case will receive a different sentence just because of the heinous nature of it. But just the fact that it could change and he could be in prison for life with parole and take away the without portion. It it's scary and it creates fear. And it it has like led me down a bitter path. Um, from time to time in the past few years, but I just had to learn to turn that over to God. And I know that that sounds, you know, like impossible. How can you just turn that over to God? Well, it's out of my control. Mm. I'm, I'm not the judge. And while I'm a type A personality and I can be controlling and I try to th- take things into my own hands way too much. I know that God is in control and he will get it done whether it's here or it's on judgment day. And so um th- things will happen how they happen and ho- hopefully we'll hear something soon. I
0: am speechless. First of all, you say I am not the judge. You say I am not in control. And I'm listening to this every couple years it's like there's a change not cup more than a couple of years but every 10 years or so or a little less than that there's a change yeah. and i to me that is a huge testimony to be like i am not in control in all things and i am not the judge in all things and god reigns over my life he is the ultimate judge in the end when we see him to say welcome home you know my good and faithful servant like good yeah. job <laughs> and and you're just making this so much more of a kingdom story and i think that's where when i'm listening to the story i'm just like thinking about the hurt thinking about the heartache i can't like i'm sorry this is like a lot but i just can't imagine like someone intruding into your space you know and yeah. just like taking advantage and taking over a situation but like you are talking about kingdom matters and and just even as a parent, you know, you're thinking about your dad, about him taking on three children now, and now you guys are in a similar role. And it just makes me wonder, like, how are you guys seeing you and your husband? I mean, we say all the time as Christians, like, we're, we're supposed to be the difference. And in right. this case, it's so much different for you guys. It's not even, like, it's so, and the uh, people who are listening to this know that parenting for you guys is so much different than what it looks like, for example, like my husband and I. So how are you guys able to move forward as parents in faith, doing kingdom work, not doing ministry, you guys are working, you know, doing your jobs, like doing your job, parenting the way you want to live, like live through Christ, obviously not you want, but like how Christ is living through you, how are you guys able to truly live the difference, if that makes sense, and do kingdom work where he has you?
1: Well, it's not easy, as you know, as a parent of little ones. Yeah, You know, everything's crazy, and, you know, just like anyone else, I, you know, have to choose to be patient with my kids, which is very hard for me. Patience is very hard for me, Um, but, you know, we have great examples to look towards. My dad is the true example of strength and he has given up so much to raise us in a way um and and I know he's done raising us we're adults (laughs) we're all grown adults but we're adults (laughs) yeah we're, we're adults we're adulting but he raised us in such a way that we wanted to strive for more and I did um didn't mention this, but my senior year of high school we we did find a church that my family got really involved in and my dad was kind of growing in his faith at the same time that I was growing in my faith when I went into college and so that was really cool to kind of see that parallel. but you know he he's led with so much grace and I, I mean my dad's not perfect, but my dad has given me such an example of strength. And my husband's parents, um, Lulu and Pops, as our kids call them, my dad is G-Paul. Um, but Lulu and Pops, they were um, missionaries to Russia for a year. When Dan and his sister were younger, they were uh, five and six, turned six and seven. And they, they've they led such an example of um, a, a gospel-minded parenting style. And so... Um, with that and just with what not taking things for granted and understanding that we are not promised another day. Mm-hmm. I know that I we, we hear that a lot, but I've yeah. experienced that. And it's not like we were just what you would expect a you know a, where a murder would happen it can happen anywhere anything the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone it doesn't have to be this level of example but that's the hardest thing that that person's ever been through so i always try to put that in perspective for people too is that the hardest thing we've been through is the hardest thing we've experienced and so not to compare stories um not to ex- compare life experiences because we all have different ones, but it's what we choose to do with that and how we choose to lead with that and knowing who we belong to and whose we are. I mean, I am not um, perfect by any means. My husband is not perfect by any means, but we try to teach our children that while we're not perfect, we were made in God's image and we make a choice to be kind and to love others and to forgive others and to be kind, even when people aren't kind to us. And it, it takes a lot of strength to step out in that sometimes, you know, just in the state of the world that we're in right now, it Mm -hmm. takes a lot to make that conscious decision. But we had such great, Dan and I had such great examples of that from our parents. And despite an absolutely horrific experience my dad didn't let that hinder me and my siblings from growing and learning and achieving and i think that that's something that i've really taken to heart and try to exude for my kids is that it does not matter what you've been through what you think you are cuz it's not about it's not about that We have to lean on how God sees us, not how we see ourselves. And we can choose to pick up the pieces and move forward, forgive, love, be kind, let all the bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with fall malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. And that's something Mm -hmm. that I have to, it means something different to me every time I read it, I feel like, but it's so true. We can't cling to that bitterness. We have to put on a tenderhearted spirit to forgive because Christ forgave us. Yes. Yes. Do you mind reading that scripture again? Absolutely. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And it's, it's so, so true. It's so, so true. We are not perfect. And we need to be forgiven. We are imperfect beings. And, you know, if I believe that I can be saved, if I believe everything that scripture tells me, then I have to choose forgiveness because it's not, it's not about me and it's really and truly selfish not to forgive. It is. And I have to, that's a bitter pill to swallow. And that's something that is hard to understand, but it's selfish. It's our selfish nature. Mm. What do you think about when I read this verse,
0: James 2, 13, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. What, what is mercy and what does that scripture mean to you?
1: it's that's a heavy scripture and it's funny because um I've gone through an assessment of you know spiritual gifts and mercy is one of those things that I have and I think a lot of that is because of what I've been through um the Lord has certainly given me that gift of compassion or forgiveness towards someone um and you know that person co- caused me harm caused my family harm mm-hmm. but you know, the Lord has given me the gift of mercy to be able to still show compassion as another human being. And I have to believe that Ronaldo Adams, you know, in a maximum security prison right now, maybe he has come to know Jesus as his savior. I hope he has. That doesn't mean that I want, that I feel that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to, um, live with the circumstances and that, that we've been given and, um, you know, do what we need to do to, um, go through that process of, of, um, judgment here on earth and to live out our punishment. But I do hope that he either has accepted Christ or does eventually in his life. And Maybe he can lead others to Jesus. I mean, i I hope that for him. That doesn't mean that I like this person necessarily. It doesn't so. mean that I want to see him. It doesn't. but um I, I have I have the power to choose compassion and forgiveness for that person. And I'm sorry, my three year old is trying to get salting crackers now. <laughs> it's like, you know, they're good. Uh, <laughs> real life, real life. um. No, it's all but, good.
0: Everybody else but, is in the same boat too. I guarantee you there's a mom listening to this podcast who has had to push pause to do something for someone else.
1: Exactly. Or not even a mom, just like an individual.
0: Yes. To our so pets
1: whatever that is for you, you know, we all, we're not perfect. We all have those things, but Yay. you know, it, mer- mercy is something that um, is really important to me and something that I really try to um, exude the, um, the best of what that word really means and what that spiritual gift means. And of course I, co- I come up short and I get, I get angry with people and I get frustrated with people, but I really try to put on, um, Compassion and forgiveness towards others as much as I can.
0: That's so good. I want to read the dictionary definition of mercy. It's a noun and it means compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So, leniency, um, compassion, grace are all similar to the word mercy. So, I don't know if yeah, just when someone talks about a word, especially in the Bible. Um, I like to look up the synonym of it and just the meaning of it to be like, what is the root of that? Like, let's get to the heart of the issue, not the issue, but the word. So um, anyway, thank you. Like, thank you for sharing the story. And I I always ask our guests what Bible verse is helping them through this current season.
1: You know, it's funny. I'm, I have been struggling to find a, study right now I I was really involved in a study at the beginning of the pandemic Um, that really spoke to me but I've been having a hard time finding something to really dive into so I started um, I love Priscilla Shire yes and I started her just to to do something in the interim a seven-day reading plan okay and I had a Long day yesterday. I mean, it was. It's an excuse to not put your relationship with Christ first. But I realized late last night, oh my gosh, I have not even done my daily study, and that's something that you should be a daily part of our life, and something that I'm really working towards becoming a a more important part of my day to day life. But as I was reading last night, there was a verse that I, I felt like was kind of perfect for. For what we were going to talk about today and it's in Ephesians 1 18 through 19 it says having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope in which he has called you remember that word hope okay What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward you toward us who believe according to the working of his great might And that so speaks to what we're talking about, because hope is a word that I have continued to come back to um, year after year, just through what I've been through, and also applicable to everything that we're dealing with in the world right now, that we have hope for a future. We have hope for tomorrow. We have so much to be grateful for, even during Um, a season of a pandemic and racial injustice and things that are really coming to the surface right now that have been major issues for a long time, but things that need to be said and need to be brought to the light. And there is hope if we would lean in, love better, love a little more, um, put our arms around our brothers and sisters, walk together And choose that forgiveness, choose to be merciful. There is hope for better days to come. And I think that um, by choosing hope, you know, God's sovereign in that. Yes. God is so sovereign in that every day, but we have to cling to that. We have to cling to hope. We have to choose hope. And so that just really spoke to me last night, late at 1030 at night, laying in bed. Oh my gosh, I didn't read. And, and then it was so applicable to what we were going to be talking about. So that's, that's something that has um, really stuck out to me. Ephesians one eighteen through 19. That's good. And
0: Ephesians, did you already share Ephesians four thirty one through 32? I did. I, I did. You, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because. I'm just like rereading it again for those who are listening. Allie and I were messaging before this and just talking about what we're going to talk about and Ephesians, it sounds like Ephesians is a big book for your life and just like really speaks to you. I like love Ephesians it so does. much. It does. And you know,
1: I didn't even realize that, but I go back to Ephesians so much. I really I do, do. I love it. My favorite verse, like life verse is Ephesians
0: one as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received because it's like, it doesn't matter what you do, what your job is, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you work or you have this or that or whatever, like at the end of the day, you're still a prisoner for the Lord. Like I want to serve God. He came to this earth as a servant and like that's what I want to be to him. And our lives as Christians are not going to look proud and prudent and arrogant and whatever that means to you, whatever that picture is to you of being proud, like our lives are supposed to be of service to the Lord. And so like everything that you are saying is kingdom, kingdom stuff, like kingdom work. And I just cannot end this conversation without saying like, you guys, this is a mind shift. Like we're not talking about a selfie on Instagram. We're not talking about um, your achievements. We're talking about God's achievements. Like through Christ, what you can do is forgive. Through Christ, you can do what is unbelievable, like unimaginable, impossible. Like the, the impossible is what we're talking about here. Like that is what God can do, and He can do that through you. And your story has broken me, Allie. Thank you for sharing this. Thank you for your time. Thank you for defining mercy and just like opening up Ephesians and just going after it. It's so <laughs> awesome.
1: So awesome. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I pray
0: it encourages someone else to read Ephesians. Like, I don't know. I just love it so much too. So I understand Me your too, heart too, sister. <laughs> yes. Um, well, is there anything else you want to share?
1: You know, I just encourage people really to look inwardly and figure out what are those areas that... Maybe there is a wall of unforgiveness. Maybe there is something you didn't even realize that you were clinging to and holding on to, even if it's something that started small and it's just evolved and something that you're just gripping to, you're, you're sitting in that bitterness, you're sitting in that, in that unforgiveness. I just so encourage you to work towards forgiveness. Again, it's a process. It's not an overnight thing for everyone. You know, there's, there's things like when my kids, when, when our four-year-old and our three-year-old, they do something crazy, they hit their sibling or they're throwing stuff everywhere. They're pulling the temp snack out of the uh, cabinet for the day. You know, they're driving me crazy. You know, I can forgive that quickly. I can forgive that in a moment, but you know, there's, there's some things that we, whether it's your marriage or it's something that's happened in your work life, or it's something that's happened with your child or a friend, or whatever that experience is for you, whatever that bitterness that you're holding on to is for you, whatever that place of unforgiveness is for you, choose hope. Choose that path of forgiveness. And maybe start in Ephesians. I guess that's where we are right now. Start start reading it. Ephesians. It's and um, and, yeah. and cling to that. And, um, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, if there's anyone who would ever like to talk, that is what I'm called to. I want to have that. I want to have that conversation. Let's talk. I'm open to that. I would love that and reach out to me. Um, I'm an open book. That's what the Lord has called me to. And it, it would be um, a shame if I didn't say that it would be contradictory of the gospel to not share my testimony and then be closed off. Right. Um, So I, I'm an open book. Um, I'm here. I'm praying for you. Um, All you listeners who are tuning in right now, I'm praying for you. I truly hope that you choose forgiveness moving Mm -hmm. forward.
0: That's so good. Forgiveness. And I love how you were saying, even if it's something small and it's built up over time like that, Wow, that will make you think. That's good stuff. Allie Mills Duro, how can we reach you and contact you?
1: Sure. So um, you can find me Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. <laughs> but, I uh, love it. It's like, it's embarrassingly
0: easy to connect. <laughs> but
1: yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy to find me. I don't really have anything super hidden. There's, I'm not hiding anything. Um, l- look up <laughs> Auburn chocolate, Jesus and people and you'll probably find me. Uh, <laughs> War Eagle, by the way. But, and, um, I'm a Gator fan, but my husband went to Auburn and I, <laughs> I, love, I love Auburn. like. Y'all's traditions
0: are what is up. Like, I, I love, love it. it. Anybody who's an Alabama <laughs> fan right now hates us, but I don't care. Al- or like, all Alabama fans too. And you know what I learned, <laughs> Allie? You're gonna die. I learned recently that Tim Tebow. It was his decision between Alabama and Florida, which my husband ah. told me that his time at Florida, he Auburn defeated Florida every single time he played against them, which I cannot believe that. But girl. <laughs> Alabama
1: and Florida for Tim <laughs> Tebow. I That's funny. It. That's Sorry. funny. Well, well, War Eagle, go Gators. Go Gators, the, War Eagle. I love my Alabama fans out there too. I can't really appreciate who you cheer for, but um, but <laughs> I, I love you guys too. I'll forgive you for it. Um, yes. But it, the, anyone it. who wants to email me, feel free to do that, that too. It's Allie Duro, same spelling that should be on um, the podcast yes. uh, right now at gmail.com a l l y d o r r o u g h at gmail.com email me ping me on social media um any way you'd like Uh, i'd love to talk that's awesome well thank you Allie. and as we end all of our podcast we
0: pray in jesus name that we decrease and that god you increase
1: in our lives in jesus name i pray amen Amen. Thank you so much, Ricky. I so appreciate you praying for you and um, love what you're doing here with your podcast. Thank you. And you're a huge part of that. So thank you
0: for sharing your story and just sharing what God has on your heart
1: hey guys just a quick hurricane sally update first of all we are safe it was a very very scary night of being piled in a centrally located bathroom in our house with two adults two kids and a hundred pound dog but we are safe and dry our house it stayed intact very minor roof damage very minor fence damage lots of debris four of our trees snapped big pine trees one of which fell on my car and totaled it. But, um, you know, we just had to get that third row vehicle a little bit sooner than we anticipated, but we are safe and sound. Um, where many of our friends, that was not the case. Many of our friends have been kind of displaced, can't live in their homes, they're flooded, or they have major roof damage. It's just kind of a mess on the Alabama Gulf Coast and on the uh, Florida Panhandle in Escambia County. So we are just doing what we can to help our neighbors. And I, I will tell you um, what has been the most beautiful thing to me that has come out of this is just seeing people love one another. Uh, loving their neighbor, loving their friends and their community, and that we seem to have really gotten our priorities in check. I know that uh, Dan and I definitely have had a um, shift in priorities and just, you know, knowing that community and friendship is so much more important than anything else we have going on in this world right now. um, Family and friendship and our relationship with Christ is everything. And we are really trying to help our friends in need when we can and just love on others.
0: I love Allie. I mean, how can you not? Jesus, chocolate, Auburn, all the things. She's so sweet Thank you, Allie, for your time and for that special update. I'm so glad y'all are coming together and getting through this together. Don't forget to follow Allie on social media and connect with her. Links to connect with Allie are below in the description of this podcast. But before we go, I wanted to share with you Psalms 139 in the TPT translation. Just look it up. Trust me, TPT translation. My girlfriend, Julia, Share this with me and she's like, you've got to read this Psalms, Psalms 139 in this TPT translation. It says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. And that was just reading verses 1 through 5 in Psalms 139. I encourage you to read it for yourself. Thank you, Julia, for sending me this. Um, it's so great and it's wonderful to read where it says in verse five, it says, you've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. When I read that part where it says, spare me from the harm of my past, I think of Allie. The Lord has covered her in this. The Lord is protecting her through this and I just pray that her story is is a real testimony to you to know that God is stronger, to know that God is bigger. And even when things seem impossible, like forgiving someone who did such a heinous crime, that there is forgiveness in that. And I love when she said that it could be small, like it could be small, but God is bigger than it all. She talks about kingdom work, what the Lord is doing. And the coolest thing about that is that He can do that through you. Like He can do that through your life. He can do kingdom work, which is what Allie was talking about, through your life. Like God created you. He knows your beginning and your end. He knows the world's beginning and the end. And He knows how the story is going to end with Allie And with this terrible thing that was done 20 plus years ago. So guys, I just encourage you to surrender your life, surrender control to Jesus, give everything to him. He is in charge of it all. He is the judge. And I just pray for mercy, that it's redefined. Mercy gets redefined in our lives. I know it has for me. And I pray the same for you all. Thank you for listening please subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. We've been growing recently, and I know that's because of these testimonies that are shared, that people are relating to them. They're sharing them with their friends, and they're being changed by it for Christ, like for Christ's gain. So I pray in Jesus' name that nothing about our names on this podcast is what you remember, but everything about what God has done through each and every one of us, like soldiers for Christ, like may you remember the story of how God won each and every time. Christ is the victory. He makes it victorious when it seems impossible. And I just pray, oh my goodness, I'm so excited, but I pray you feel this energy and you're encouraged and changed by the story. So y'all have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.